0: A few weeks, a few years ago, I was at an Italian restaurant in New York City, and it was probably one of the most hilarious restaurant experiences I had ever had in my life. We all sat down at the table, and the waiter came over to take our order. We let him know that we hadn't gotten our menus yet, and he insisted that that was okay. Just tell us what you want to eat. So one by one, we went around the table, ordering our favorite Italian dish and one by one, we were abruptly told, we're out of that today. How about I make you a nice? And then he went on to fill in the blank with whatever he thought we ought to eat that day. After he left the table, we all started laughing, just completely befuddled by what had just happened. Despite not getting the food that we wanted that day we each got what we were really craving, a delicious home-cooked Italian meal. Our first reading this morning takes place about two and a half months into the exodus from Egypt to the Promised Land, and things aren't going so well. It seems that the food supply is running a little low, and the crowd is getting anxious. They begin to grumble, You know, maybe we should have just stayed as captives in Egypt, at least there we had food. Instead, God has taken us out to the desert to starve. Their complaint on the surface seems to be about food, namely that they would like some. But their concern runs deeper, that last half of the sentence, You brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. That seems to point us to what they are actually craving, a desire to know that God is still watching over them. Well, God heard the grumbling of their stomachs and their hearts and said to Moses, at twilight you shall eat meat. And in the morning, you shall have your fill of bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. Then you shall know that I haven't left you." And so every night, quails descended on the camp as they feasted. And every morning, God made for them a nice, fine, flaky substance. And they had their fill all with the hope that, with each bite they took, that they might be reminded, I am the Lord your God. Perhaps not what they would have ordered, but exactly what they were craving. This morning's gospel amplifies that motif as we move from the bread of heaven to the bread of life. Our passage picks up after the feeding of the 5,000 with five barley loaves and two fish. In John's account, we hear so many were amazed by this miracle that he actually had to go up and hide in the mountains, afraid that they were going to take him by force and make him king. So after twilight, Jesus snuck down the mountain, walked across the water to Capernaum, and others from that feeding spotted him approaching Christ to place their order, do it again. It seems this portion of the crowd was not interested in who Christ was, the bread of life. Instead, they were only interested in what Christ could do for them, make more bread. But Christ had compassion for them and spoke with them. Do not work for the food that perishes, Christ said, but for the food that endures for eternal life. And with that, their eyes lit up, realizing that it was life, not bread, that they were truly craving. Give us this bread always, they plead. And then Jesus replies with an answer which would have sent chills throughout the bodies of all who listened, borrowing the name of God from the days of old, the name of the great I am revealed to our ancestors as he says, I am the bread of life. I am the God who came down from heaven to feed you, to nourish you, to be with you, to laugh with you, to cry with you. Put your trust in me, that I am the one who will show you the way, the truth, and the life." That was their true craving. Not for a bread that satisfied the hunger of the body, but for a bread that energized the spirit and gave sustenance to the soul. A bread that would give us life so that we might live it more abundantly. A bread that St. Paul writes, will give us the sustenance to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Or in another translation, to equip God's people for the work of serving. The type of serving that Christ models for us this morning is in a life of service where we hear the superficial needs of others and simply respond. Rather, it's a life where we enter into meaningful relationship with the other so that we might hear not their immediate needs, but their true needs, their real cravings in life and then have the sustenance to give them a heaping serving of God's love. More times than not, that's what their soul really needs. Giving bread, that's the easy part. Sharing life, will need that heavenly food to do that work. In our post-communion prayer, we pray, and now, Father, send us out to do the work you have given us to do. We pray this week after week because each of us leave this church and resume our ministries, a ministry that we're called to imbue with God's love in all that we do, so that each person we encounter might feel the love of Christ through our serving, but more importantly, point that person to a much deeper truth. To hear those words that God spoke so long ago. I am the Lord your God. That's our call, to let others hear those words through our loving actions. people sent out into the world as rays of God's light. I'll take one order of that, please.